With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
meetings here beginning this week dealing with issues of marriage in the home and in home life. So why do you do that? Well, because that's a good place to begin. That's what I see in our world today as being under attack more than anything else. The enemy is working overtime to destroy the institution of marriage. To destroy families. And we as believers need to have a biblical background. We have several of us have already raised children. We've done what we could. Uh, our time for doing that is over. But there are several among us who have little ones and, and one that's about to have one. Amen. And they need to have that biblical uh, foundation and backdrop to, to raise their families on. I want to speak today on God's design for the home. He has a design for the home. What about for your home? Hopefully today, we'll look at God's design for your home. And we'll learn the following that follow we'll learn that following God's plan for the home will bring his blessing into our lives. You know, we all want to be blessed. You know, really, what does that mean? Well, bless you. Lord bless me. What does that really I mean? His favor, his presence. His pleasure, your ability to enjoy your life as a blessing. Your ability to enjoy being alive and your ability to know Him, that's a blessing. To be able to walk in a darkened world and see and navigate your way through by His light, that's a blessing. And God wants us to be blessed. To have children and see them raised up in the Lord, following the Lord, that's a blessing. And, and we have here His foundation given to us and His principles for us to have a godly home found here in the Word of God. We'll go to Genesis chapter 2. When you talk about the family, you talk about God's design for the family, we have to go all the way back to the very beginning because He is the designer and the creator. And there's some wonderful truth we can find from His Word. Before we begin today, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for the privilege to be here together as Your body in this part of Winchester. Lord, we thank You, Lord, for the opportunity to have like precious faith, to have that fellowship of Your Spirit, Lord, in our lives. Lord, the freedom that You've given us here, even in this country, to assemble and to worship You without any interference, we thank You for that privilege, Lord. Father, let Your Spirit move freely today in each of our lives. As we look into the law of liberty, Lord, illuminate our understanding. Father, I ask for the anointing of Your Spirit. Lord, I know that I can do nothing without it. And Lord, let that same anointing teach us to godliness and holiness. We thank You for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. God's design for the home. We'll look at three things today. Number one, God established and establishes marriage. The institution of marriage. In Genesis 2.18, we have these words penned by Moses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Lord God said, 
it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the beasts of the field, all of the birds of the air, and He brought them to the man to see what He would name them. And whatever He, whatever he called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Can you just imagine going back in time with me if you could? Now I know this is, requires imagination and, and thinking, but you know we're looking back here in the Scripture to a point in time 6,000 years ago. In the grand scheme of time, that's not very long. But Adam was created 6,000 years ago by God. Formed from the very dust of the earth. Given a suitable habitation for his soul and spirit to live in. To live on this planet. Adam was made the vice regent of the entire earth of God's creation. He was put in charge. Now unlike you and I, it's hard for us to think this way, but... He wasn't born. He was created. He was an adult. He didn't have a childhood like you and I. And this man was born with an intelligence, a very high intelligence, I would surmise. So that when God would bring the animals to him, he would name them. And whatever they were named by Adam, that's what they're called to this day. He was a brilliant, probably the brightest man to ever live. The intellect was sharp, was keen. His ability to commune with God was unlike any of us have ever known. He had no sin. He had no sin. He walked face to face with the very Creator. And, and, and you, you, you know by logical deduction, and, and I love the way it's put, sometimes we, we tend to think the Bible is just a, you know, I, I know we don't as believers, but many think, well, it's just some old fanciful tale. You know, and, and it makes God out to be like one of us. You know, that God had to kind of by trial and error do things to figure out what was the right. No, 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 no. no. God makes no mistakes. Amen. He created Adam exactly as He wanted him to be. And He gave him that free moral agency. Adam didn't know sin would be there to, to be introduced to him. It wasn't, it wasn't explained to him, but it was all within the plan of God. But this man would see these animals. He knew there was there was a male and a female. A male and a female. Of all these different animals, of every species. But there was no counterpart to himself. No female. No one like me. Suitable for me. Not, not to, but to go through life with as a partner. There was, no, there was something missing. And, and it wasn't like God said, oh, I forgot to make the woman here. I think He just he wanted Adam to experience the longing for having the counterpart. To, to know that there was a part missing from His life that only God could feel and create for Him. You see, every other had a, a counterpart. And... and Adam could see that need. There was none there for him. 
It wasn't like he needed somebody to help him do his job. That's not really what he was looking for. He was looking for... You know, God made male and ultimately female not because they're the same. They're of the same type, equal in value, but they're very different. Hey, come on now. I mean, how many of the fellas you know she don't like going down to the river slicing open the fish or going to the, the, the game and do it. Now she may go just to please you. And you don't like sitting at them old uh, what baby showers. Come on guys, amen. <laughs> While they ooh and I over different colored dresses and things. That's right. Different. Different. But when united together they formed something very unique together. And God knew, church, He knew exactly what He was looking for in bringing together male and female. Let's read on. No suitable helper was found. Verse 21, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib He had taken out of the man and He brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. The first surgery ever recorded was in the Bible was God. And He wanted to make this woman a suitable helpmate. So she, he went into Adam literally to take out of his DNA. He could have created one separately out of the ground. But he said, no, I want to illustrate how close that you are related, that she's a part of you and you are a part of her. He took from that rib, that DNA, and he constructed a woman. How beautiful she must have been. How, how, how magnificent a creature. I, I, God has never made anything that was not perfect and beautiful. And she, the Lord then presented the woman to Adam. To Adam. Bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. Lord, You did a good thing. This is really good what You did for me. Oh, hallelujah. This is real good. Woman. You see, marriage in the Old Testament was instituted by God. He was the one that created. Now I want you to notice very clearly, we live in a world today, in a society today, that is very much corrupted. We live in a society that thumbs its nose at God's laws and at God's... We are the first culture, the first large empire ever in the history of mankind to redefine what marriage is. And my friend, no matter what man does or decrees, you cannot redefine what God has. He has spoken. He has given us His Word. And it is that way. God did not make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve. 
male and female. Two men marrying is not a marriage. Two women marrying is not a biblical marriage. Now that's not politically correct today. I'm not a hater. I love all people. God loves all people. But there is an order that He put in motion that He instituted that we must follow if we want His blessing. And that order is not homosexuality or lesbianism. It is Adam and Eve. God made a woman for a man. For every man there is a woman. For every woman there is a man. When I was a younger man, and my wife remembers this very clearly, we met up with an older gal. She was a feisty old gal. and We were talking about dishes. I don't know how that came about. And she made a statement. She said, there's a lid for every pot. There's somebody for you. There's somebody for you. There's a lid for every pot. We just need to wait on God and trust in Him. See, there's something that creates the foundation of a home with a mother and a father. You know, there was a study done here just within the last few weeks that was released in the media. Many overlooked that study. I did not. I took notice. They, they polled those children who had grown up with same-sex parents. And the result was shocking, not to me, but to the world. They didn't like growing up in a same-sex household. They thought it was bad. They thought it was negative. They said, I wish I had a mother or a father rather than two of each. That's from the horse's mouth, so to speak. From people who have lived it. You know, it doesn't take a genius to look at the body parts and see that there's no match outside of male and female. It's getting awful quiet in this religious place now. Come on. <laughs> Outside of that, it's, it's a perversion. Something's not right. Can God forgive? Does God? Absolutely. Amen. We move on. But God instituted marriage. Marriage today is under attack as it has not been in recent years, in recent decades, in recent generations. Marriage is under attack. And you know why? If you can attack the very foundation of a home. If you get a, Satan can attack God's design for the home and break that down, he can win. Or at least that's what he feels he, he can do. And we see the havoc that comes from that institution being broken down. You say, that's in the Old Testament, preacher. What about the New Testament? I'm glad you asked. Over in Matthew, chapter 19, we see here again, marriage in the New Testament is exactly the same as marriage in the Old Testament. Jesus is the one speaking in Matthew 19. In verse 4, He says, Haven't you read? He's like folks are today. Many of them probably had because the old Bibles not being looked into. Come on now. Shame on us. Come on. We said, haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. 
Here Jesus, who is the Creator, according to Colossians chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, all things were made by Him, through Him, and for Him. Was not anything made that was made, both invisible and visible. But He says, Have you not read in the law of God, basically as we say, in the, in the Torah, that at the very beginning, the Creator, that's our Father in Heaven, made them male and female. Male and female. The very foundation of the home. Two males cannot propagate the human race. Two females cannot propagate the human race. Male and female is what makes up and constitutes a marriage. If everyone were homosexual, there would be no human race. Enough said. Verse 5, And Jesus said, For this reason, male and female, a man will leave his father and mother, be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now we're adults here with the exception of the little baby in the back. You cannot become one flesh apart from sexual union. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Paul would later go on in the book of Romans and say that a man who would join himself to a prostitute, it's, an, it's a sin because he makes himself one with that. You see where I'm getting at? There is a union deeper than a physical that takes place when a man and a woman come together. There is a uniting, there is a, a leaving and a cleaving. You know, if you've been around any time in the Christian world and you talk to people in terms of marriage, you will find that many of the pro a lot of problems stem from the man not leaving and cleaving. A lot of times there's interference from the families or homes. and There has to be an understanding. We, a man will leave his mother and father. Create a new unit. If there's interference on either side, it could be on the woman's side, there, there's problems. Although there has to be a, a new unit formed, a new unit started. And Jesus says very clearly in verse 6, they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. When Eve was presented to Adam back in Genesis, he called her name Eve. Who? Adam did. Eve. This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and her name shall be Eve. God, when He addressed them, He addressed them together as man, Adam. God never used the word Eve because He saw them as one. Think about that. What God has joined together, there's a covenant in marriage that takes place. Women are born with a hymen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Come on. 
And when the male penetrates the hymen, what takes place? There's a breaking and there's a bleeding. When you cut covenant and you enter into covenant with someone, there has to be a bleeding. There has to be a, a cutting. And that covenant of marriage is, is, is sacred before the eyes of God. And when it's made, God said it shall not be man. What God is doing shall man not cut asunder. Now we live in a world, I know, where divorce is, is commonplace. Matter of fact, one of the astonishing statistics, to me it was anyway, 20 years ago, was when they said the divorce rate in the church was as high as it was in the world. At that time, it was like 50%. I have no idea what it is today. And I, I won't embarrass, I came from a broken home where parents were divorced. You may have divorced. You may have... It, doesn't matter whether it was his fault, her fault, your fault. It, it, if we come to Christ, we have forgiveness. Somebody say Amen. Amen. But what the reason why these things happen is it's the enemy's attack upon the marriage. There's always an attack. Now I'm going to talk to you young people. I wish we had the, the other couple here today. It never works out that way. But those that are here can benefit your marriage will be tried at some point along the line. You may have been married a year, two, or five. You may be tried by the enemy to, for, to infidelity, to step out on your mate, or to, to do... Why? Why? Because the enemy wants to break that which God has made. You need to stand in God's Word and infidelity. Can I get a witness? Amen. We're not above temptation. You know, Pastor Jerry, when any time counseling with a woman, make sure my wife is always present. Not that I would do anything, but you know, I don't want any any uh, what's to avoid the appearance of evil. You understand? That's a big problem in our world. Uh, marriage is breaking up, and it, it puts a stress on the children, on homes. Children grow up without a mother or without a father, either or. Or they grow up with animosity or problems there because the home has been broken up. That's not God's design for the home. That's kind of like God's plan A is one man, one woman for life. Plan B, sometimes we're on plan C or D. Oh, hello, man. Come on. You can't say amen. Say oh me. But what we want to do is make sure we do get it at some point. We understand, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I need to do. And I'm going to live for the Lord. And that's really all that matters when we get it. But you can see how uh, when we talk about blessing, there's a lot of people who look at blessing today as monetary. And really that's... You know, I look... For me, blessing is I have four children who serve the Lord. I, if I die poor, that's okay. I got four kids who are going to outlive me who, who know Christ. Amen. That's that's blessing. And, and it'd be all worth it. I, I can't tell you how many people I talk to and pray with that have trouble, uh, even in older years of life, over what happened to them when they were children. 
from a broken home. It is difficult for people to overcome. Through Him, through Jesus, we overcome. I had a father who left my home when I was 12 years old. And I've seen him only one time since then. I'm 55 now. So you think that's... I had to overcome. But I got saved as a young man and I had a Father in Heaven who took that place. And I had men in the church who uh, helped me, who, who showed me what it was like to be a man, how to take care of a... And I had a grandfather who uh, come to know the Lord who, who uh, set a good example. But the reason we have that unit is to help us to grow up into to know the Lord and to experience blessing in life. If you walk through life as an older person who's who's had some problems and, and, and I can't begin to tell you with tears how many have a root of bitterness inside. It may be the child. It may be the parent of bitterness. It may be a, a self-flagellation over what they had done. Oh, if I had only done... But this would not have happened. See, there is a repercussions that only Christ, only God can heal in our lives if we allow Him. And He needs to. That's why the family has been under attack and will always be under attack. We, we need to know that as Christians, as believers. We need to know that. And look, none of us here have wings on our back. None of us here are perfect. I am certainly not the perfect parent by any means. I wish I could go back and undo mistakes I made in the past. I can't. You can't. We have to accept it. We know we've made, we acknowledge that before the Lord. We move on. And we can still have God's blessing in our lives as we move on. The past does not need to rule over us. Amen? But you young people realize marriage is under attack and should the Lord tarry? How many have heard, have heard that before? Should the Lord tarry? Sister Ellie, John, we've been around for a long time in the church world. We hear that. Somebody said, what does tarry mean? I don't know what that sounds really good, but what does that really actually mean? Should the Lord make us wait on His coming? Should we still be here? Should He hold back His coming? Should the Lord tarry? This generation has to live for God. It has to hold that same standard. It has to, and it's becoming more and more difficult for young parents, young people, to to walk that walk because the, the the world has been trying to erase the lines that God has laid out in His Word. You see, we have an educational system that wants to teach all kind of. They were talking about teaching children, I mean, talking about this year in our education system, about sex at like five years of age. You don't need children that young to know nothing about that. They were talking about uh, junior high kids, talking about anal sex, talking about homosexuality, things that... that, that in school? Talk, in school. In school. If you were a parent, that should outrage you. Our kids are grown, but these children here, they have kids that have to face. They're clamping down now on homeschool, where if you homeschool and, and that 
they're not favored. That's not a good thing in the government's eyes. See, we're seeing things, our freedom slowly being eroded. Because the enemy knows this. Karl Marx said this, the father of communism, that if I have your children to the age of five, I'll have them for life. Do you know that's a biblical statement? Because Solomon said in Proverbs, if you train up a child in the way he shall go, when he is old, he'll not depart from it. We have the example of Moses being raised by his own mother, Yoshebel, who instilled within this man who would rise to the very height of leadership in Egypt, only for him later in life to say, no, I'm going to identify with my mother's people. Because she instilled in him a sense of who God was and that he was real. So his, his parenting, his family, God's design for the family is important that we follow His design. And the enemy was, is doing everything he can to blur the lines, to change things, to, to redefine what God has said. And we have to understand that we're facing that in a culture that we're in today. We need to fight against that with everything that's in us or we're going to lose it. And we may lose our children as a result turning them over to institutions to be brainwashed with nonsense. We've seen that already since the time of Darwin has come into the school where we teach evolution freely over the last five generations. Evolution. Which is a lie. It's ridiculous. No proof in fact at all. Now we're teaching it's okay for... They're wanting to put transgender uh, bathrooms in schools now so that, uh, that's not a joke, so that boys and girls can choose which one gender they want to be. Friend, this is for real. This is going on. Your children, you must instill in them God's plan for the home so that the state does not. Thank you. Let's move on now. We see here God establishing marriage. It's the same for the Old Testament and the New Testament. Secondly, God's foundation for the home. We're to learn His commands. Amen? That's the foundation. If we build our lives like the world does, Jesus would liken that to building our lives on sand. But if we build our lives on the bedrock of His Word and on, the, on His commands in the Word of God... It's like building our life on a sure foundation. Amen? On a rock. Not sand. And when the storms come, we'll stand and not fall. Praise God. But if we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, we go back to the law of God. We go into the Torah. God gives laws for a reason. If we had... We have a little puppy at home. I mean, little Archie. And we we leave him in his cage when we come here to, to minister because he would just tear the house up. And we're trying to teach him rules, what to do, what not to do. Well, he got got loose. They're worse than kids, believe me. He got loose from Mama here this morning, went up the street, just took right off. And he's just having fun, you know. 
the dog, the little pup, doesn't know that, that somebody run him over in a heartbeat. I mean, outside when he looks at his freedom and doing what he wants, he could die. So we're the bad guy saying, don't do that. Come back in the yard, but I want to go in the other yard. But we, we have rules, not just for our pets, but I mean, as parents, we have rules for our children, much the same way. And they view it as, well, you're restricting me. You're, you're raining on my life. You're hindering my enjoyment. Can you say amen over there, girl? Why don't you let me stay out all hours of the night? Because you'll get in trouble. Parents have rules because they know what's best for us. Now I've got a couple of my kids here today. And, and when, when dad implements a rule, you don't like that, right? But what if I just let you do whatever you want? Would, let me ask you this. Would you let your children do whatever they want? Why? They might run out in the road and get hit by a car. Hello? Parents have been there. They're there for your best. God has given us His commandments not to be hard on us, not to restrict your joy in life or your fun, but He's given us His commandments because He wants to bless you. He wants you to have a good life, a full life, and your joy your cup of joy will run over if you follow His commandments. Can I get a witness? You know, when we obey God and we live for God, you sleep well at night? Oh, come on now. I remember them days running hard, doing stuff I wasn't supposed to do, and lay my head down, I'm worried about God might strike me dead. Or he might be mad at me. Hello? You don't sleep good then. You live for God, you 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 don't have no hangover. Come on. That's a good that's a good thing, amen. Your liver detoxifies, amen. You feel good. You have joy. You can enjoy life when you live for Jesus. When I thought I was doing my own thing, I, I thought I was enjoying myself. But in reality, I was just punishing myself. <laughs> I was hurting myself. Now I go to the doctor and I'm paying the price. Amen. <laughs> if you had took care of yourself early on, you wouldn't... <laughs> I know. We don't like rules. That's, I guess, what I'm trying to illustrate. We don't like rules, do we? But God has rules. He has, uh, he has perimeters and guidelines that He wants us to live within. And our obedience to that really will dictate how much we're going to enjoy our life and how much we'll enjoy our relationship with Him, particularly later on. Amen? Well, let's look at Deuteronomy 6.6. 6, and we'll see here about learning His commandments. He says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Now, that's an illustration the heart is a euphemism for the spirit of a man. The spirit, the inner man. I want these commandments to be inside, not just in your head, but in your heart. Amen? He says, impress them, parents, on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you go get up. In other words, always 
Tell your children about the Lord. Talk about the Lord. How good God is. What God's been doing. Include God in your life. Amen. Come on now. Let little Isaac know that God loves him. And that we love God and we're going to live for God. We're going to serve God. Tell little Isaac or little Pearl that God God is in their life. And they're special. Talk about the things of God to these babies, to these children. And they'll grow up. And unlike Mark's having those kids, they'll belong to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And they'll live for God. Lay that foundation in your home. God's design for the home is a marriage based on Him. Amen. You know what a marriage is not based on God? It's based on self. I'll give you a clue. You take two people who love themselves and they get married, somebody's self is going to get out of whack. And they're not going to have their way. And usually somebody's going to leave. But two Christians get married, and they're told by God to die to themselves. So when I get on her nerves, I remember when, when we were just married for a little while, she called up her mama. God bless that 90-some-year-old woman. She was probably only 60-some back then, but God bless her. My husband, this, that, and another. I, she just run on the phone. I, I want to come home, Mama. I want to come, I'm going to go live. Move back home. He's getting on my nerve. Mama said, Honey, you ain't coming home. I said, You turn right around and you ask that man to forgive you and make him some dinner and give him some good love in the night. Don't come home. Click. Good answer. I love that mother-in-law ever since. We never had a problem, me and mom. <laughs> what, what advice would she say? Look, die to yourself and be a wife, love your husband. And you know what? The same is true for me. When that girl get on my nerve, it's like, man, I ain't... I gotta die. Why? Because that's what God commands. I'm not living for me. To please me. I'm living to please Him. And it ain't pleasing to Him when I upset her and leave it at that. There's a lot of give and take. Sometimes it seems like it's more, it's more give than it is. Come on. Amen. But you got to give. And when you're believers, you have that relationship with the Lord to help you through difficult times. Because everybody, every marriage will go through difficult times. You will have trouble. You'll have financial difficulties. You'll have all type of problems that will come your way besides having an enemy that doesn't like you and the temptation of your own natural flesh. So there's a lot to fight. But when we have the Lord and when we're putting His commands first, Dying to ourselves, amen. Honor, wanting to honor the Lord. I'll get to my last point. It's called blessing. We'll have blessing. And that's really what we want in our lives. 
He says, to impress them to our children, talk about them when we lie down and when we rise up. Look at verse 8. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now the Jewish people took this, and you'll see this even to this day, very literally. But what God meant was, it was a euphemism, it was a... He wanted us, in other words, get them inside of you, keep them in front of you so that you, you His Word, His commandment is there, so that it's a part of your life. They literally took on, the, on their hats... They're called phylacteries. They have little Torah scrolls that are all hanging from strings in front of their eyes. You go to the, was it the mezuzah? When you walk into a Jewish home, they have the Torah scroll nailed to the side of the doorpost. Well, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But really what he was saying was get it inside. Get it inside of you. The doorpost of your heart, of your life. That's what he really meant. And that's what he, we know that as believers in the Messiah. We understand that. The Jews, they kind of took it literally, and you look kind of funny walking down the street with a. But hey, they're, they're taking it literal, amen. We want to take the Word of God literally, but sometimes even God uses illustrations to get a point across. And we need to know the difference sometimes. But He's telling us we need to have His Word preeminent in our lives. Give it preeminence. Give it first place in your life. In other words, when I'm going along and I want to do something or, or get involved, I have to say, is that, is that biblical? Is that something that would please the Lord? Is that in His Word? You know, Everything in life is really covered in this book. It, it is. Everything. And we ask ourselves those questions. And if we build our homes, we learn His commands and Parents, we live His commands. We'll model to our children what it's like to be godly people. If everybody in our nation lived according to God's Word, we'd have a wonderful nation. We'd have a wonderful... We'd have great people. I showed that video this morning with those Marines worshiping and praising God. Now I know it on that base, wherever they were, there are a whole lot more than just those men, but that group of men are godly men. They're men who are living it, walking it. And that heartens me. No matter what we face in our generation, and those of us who are still around, this is still our generation. Until we're gone, give it over to them. They're just learning. Amen. <laughs> this is our time. We gotta make a difference. We gotta show the right way for our young ones to go. And set that tone. It starts in the home. When the, when, the, when the children see a mother and father who are obviously not perfect, but who love one another and love God, they know how to pattern their lives. Amen. Thirdly and lastly, God wants to bless the family. And He does bless the family. We get His blessings by going His way. Somebody say amen. amen. Not our way, His way. In Psalm 128, I'll give you a few moments to turn there. We have a few humorous statements here, but actually they're, they're very much in tune with the culture and day that the psalm was written. 
again, just an illustration, not to be literal, but illustrating a point. The man and woman that's blessed, hallelujah. In Psalm 128, beginning in verse 3, the psalmist says this, he says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears or reverences the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. And may you live to see your children's children. Shalom or peace be upon Israel. Oh, hallelujah. What a prayer! of thanksgiving. What a prayer of blessing. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine. Hallelujah. What was the actual psalmist saying? Now, today, don't, don't misinterpret, but follow along in our culture. We live very different than people lived not too long ago. <laughs> Those of you that have lived where you, you had families who farmed the land or who were involved with agriculture, who were involved in animal husbandry. You, you understand this. A lot do not today. Back then to have children was considered a blessing, but it was also a necessity if you were to survive. To have a wife who was like a fruitful vine producing clusters of children, that's a blessing. Why? Because you, you had land that you had staked out or was in your family or given to you through the Scriptures. The uh, land was allotted to the Israelites. And, but in order to survive, you know, we talk about today preppers. You know, if I just, bless God, had a little bit of land and I could plant enough food. I could live off the land. A lot of people are right. One or two people can't live off the land. You cannot do all the work to produce enough with just a couple people to live off the land. I mean, you just try it sometimes. You try doing. I used to do a garden about half the size of this sanctuary when we were living up in Highview, and it did about busted. I was younger then. It about busted me, man. Just plowing and planting, and I had a tiller. Can you imagine doing it by hand? It would take a group of people to live off the land, all doing a lot of hard work. So to have children was, you wanted children, because they were literally, you know, we, we, get, we go get a job, we go work at a factory, or work at a business, we get money, we buy what we want. That's modern stuff, man. You had children who could dig, plant, harvest, feed animals. And whatever you had, whether you were doing animals or both, you sold what you to buy things from others that you could not, that you didn't have. Life was hard. Life was difficult. But it was very rewarding. It's a better life. It's a better life. The family that was arrested by the social worker in Kentucky, a family of ten children with their mother and father, twelve people, living off their small parcel of land, ten acres, I believe, 
arrested for homeschooling, child neglect, because they chose to live off the grid. Now they don't, they're not going to go arrest the Quakers <laughs> for doing the same thing, you know. But see, we live in such a upside down world today. I don't advocate going and living like that unless you feel God called you to live that way. But you have a right to if you choose. I couldn't do that today. <laughs> uh, might not have been, like Rob just said, it might not be a bad idea. A healthier lifestyle, a cleaner lifestyle. But God is, is telling through the psalmist here that this man is blessed who fears the Lord. You'll have plenty of seed to raise up who will help you and work the land and inherit from you and carry on your blessing to the next generation. You'll have, you know, the ladies working, uh, knitting, knitting the wool from the sheep. Uh, I can imagine it would take a lot, a, a large family, uh, to sustain that type of life, a good life. And God says, you serve me, you live for me, I'll bless you. Elsewhere, God talks about the believer who has blessed their quiver being full. Hallelujah. Meaning there will be plenty of children in that quiver. I say amen. We've known a few who had a lot, didn't we? Uh, they, and, they, and they considered themselves blessed. The Lord wants to bless us. He wants to prosper us in our way and in our lives. And He wants us to live to see our children's children. Thankfully, I was able to see a few of those. Amen. And hopefully one here very shortly. That's that's a blessing. That's a blessing. A lot a lot of, a lot of things we take for granted today. Men at the turn of the last century, 1900, the average age in the United States was 54 years old. That's how long you lived. 54 at 1900. Probably both. I'm sure both had a lot to do with it. Very hard work, uh, lack of care. But we can consider ourselves very blessed today. We're at the very opposite end now. We have so much that we don't appreciate. Like we now, I know some of us older, or we've grown to appreciate a lot of things. But our country as a whole, I don't think a lot of the young people have been taught. They don't understand where we came from and the blessings that we have. We take for granted. The freedoms that we have, we take for granted. That's a mistake. But you and I, my friend, we're going to follow God's design for the home. And we're going to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So I say amen. And we're going to be examples to the world of what it should be like to be people of faith. And we will show God as a reflection to them, a good reflection of what it is to live for and serve God. You know, today we've looked at God's plan for families, and just as God had a plan for Adam and Eve, He has a plan for you. He has a plan for your family. Over the next, Lord willing, three Sundays, we're going to look at specific areas of the family finances, communication. Oh, he said the, he said the C word communication. That's not as easy as it sounds, is it? Come on now. 
Hello? That's a tough one. <laughs> We're going to look at raising children. Finances, communication in the home, and raising children. Those are three areas we're going to target over the next few weeks should the Lord. And, and it will be good for all of us, even us older ones. If anything, we can say, oh, I missed that. There's a few. I always look back on, I wish I had done that. I should have did this. And can't do that now. But our, our young ones, we're going to give them the best chance we can by uh, putting the Word out there. Amen? God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your family. Amen? Let's all pray that God will show us how to be obedient and faithful to Him in our lives. Ask the Lord to give you a vision for your family and what you need to do. Let Him, let him, let him move in your life. Give Him that opportunity. What you do now as a mom and dad, as a husband and wife, affects the world we live in. And will affect it for eternity. That's why it's important to choose His way. Let's stand this morning. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.